There it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sick Riff Hall of Fame five-part miniseries that is brought to you by the Gilded Playlist. This is week number two of our quest to determine the sickest riff of all time, according to us at least. And today we'll be bringing you 17 sick riffs to discuss and debate before we start making those hard calls and trimming that list down to four lucky tracks that will make their way into our season finale and, of course, the sick 16. As you know, the Guild Playlist and the Core 4 are taking some time off to gear up for Season 2, but in the meantime, we've prepared a meaty stew of sick riffs and iconic tracks to fill the dead air. This is it, everyone. Welcome to Week 2 of the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. Who's out there? Yow! So, Yow. What's up? Was that uh, some sort of Grateful Dead reference there? Dead air? Is that something I don't know about as a non-dead? Not intentionally, but because we've got mm-hmm. you know our resident deadhead on the line, I think. I mean, I'll toss it to Justin. Is that is that fair to say, Justin? Well, I'm scared to say no because if it is a thing, and then I don't know it, then I'll be a fake fan. So how many how many books how many books have you read about dead air, Justin? In the in the, in terms of Grateful Dead, uh, you know, terminology, dude. Just only. One? Just one, but you know, the list, the to read list is very long for dead related books. I need to look up and see if there's any John Mayer books at all. So you've, you've got me beat. <laughs> but of course, Scott has probably got us all beat there. Um, when, when Scott joins us a little later on, we'll, we'll get into the true dead versus dead uh, discussion. But before we get into all that, let me first introduce some of the voices you just heard on the line there. First up, we already kind of teased this, but man, he's the only millennial currently on the market for a tape player, looking for ways <laughs> to further explore the Grateful Dead's back catalog of bootlegs and deep cuts while also flipping through those 200 pages of a book dedicated to a single dead concert. When he's not double screen dominating his weekly gauntlet of learning everything there is to know about data, you can find him pursuing the aisles at Harmon's and willing himself to consistently one-up me with his newfound cooking skills that I'm not mad about at all. All he needs to say to settle an argument is, hey, it's a sick riff, bro, and you might just find yourself agreeing with him. He's the other half of the Dover takeover and my brother. That's right. It's Justin Dover. What's up, Justin? I've returned with a much better microphone. (laughs) I was really disappointed last week with my audio quality, but hopefully we're coming swinging here with the corded mic. So hopefully I'm sounding good. Good to be here again. Clearer than ever, Justin. And of course, happy to have you on. Looking forward to all the debate that we're going to be getting into this week. All right. Next up, you may know him as the Keeper of Keys, the resident Hagrid of the Gilded Playlist, Hollow Halls, mastermind behind the podcast's alleged website, thegildedplaylist.com, and a true master behind the scenes He keeps the TGP running in between firing arrows into the crowd or sinking a dagger from deep to surprise song submit. He held off on lobbing in any juicy meatballs from a certain artist whose name rhymes with Don Jader during season one. But now that we're in the no rules wild west of the Sick Riff Hall of Fame, could we see a different side of this podcast regular emerge? We'll find out today as he puts up a Sick Riff to the test and serves as our moderator for week two. That's right, it's producer Luke. What's up, Luke? How do you do, fellow kids? What's happening? How do you do? 
happy to have you on. Um, your, your podcast skills, are, are they feeling rusty? You know, we've had some time off from the TGP, back to, happy to be back in the saddle. It has been a little while, but I'll say uh, I work in a virtual world now. We we are on camera all the time, and mm. I use my podcast setup for boring ass conference calls all the time. So I'm always uh, checking the levels, you know. Always but, uh, checking the levels. Good to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, glad you were able to join us. Thanks for making the time to pop on as a moderator this week. We'll, we'll get into some of the details on how that's going to look in a second, but I got one more person to introduce here. Though he can usually be found lurking in the shadows, keeping tabs on our weekly matchups and playing the shadow broker of our contest, this AI could be on its way to becoming sentient here on the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. There's a rumor afoot that he's coming off the bench, taking on human life form and making his presence known in a new way on this week's pod. We'll have to wait and see if the algorithm has been able to transition from surefire guild submitter to sick riff lover. But for now, please welcome our master of ceremonies, GD Dave. What's going on, guys? Uh, glad glad to be back. Definitely enjoyed uh, being around for week one of the pod. Was uh, pleasantly surprised to see the, the play-in game make a, a bit of a run. Nice to see the core four not quite willing to give up their hold on the pod, <laughs> but we'll see if the, the Dover boys can take back control of things this week. We'll see if the Dover takeover wins out. And and Dave, it's a good it's a good you know reference to week one. Obviously, our, our first episode of the Sick Riff Hall of Fame in the bank. Wanted to open up to to the group here. Any immediate reactions to to week one? The winners, the losers, how everything shook out. I know Luke, uh, you you were able to spend some time with week one. What were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, greatly enjoyed the episode. It was fun to have some uh, some TGP sounds in, in my earballs again. Um, obviously, might might be uh, amazing timing that uh, Dr. Dre, still Dre, uh, came in as one of the first drops we heard, and it made me realize that hip hop songs might actually be uh, just have this underlying advantage, right? Because once you hear the hook in a hip hop song, I mean, that's, mm. that's usually it. It's, it's, you get your, uh, you know, your Travis Scott Drake collabs here and there that actually have multiple parts with like multiple hooks and beats, but it's pretty common that like, if that beat, that hook works, uh, it works the whole time. So I'm interested to see if some, some rock and roll or some blues or who knows what can come in and, and maybe knock a few hip hop, uh, hip hop beats off of the, the top of the pop here so we'll see but i'm excited to to keep listening and i'm loving the variety seeing a bunch of songs that uh, as a whole probably would never stand up to tgp standards you know uh mm. danger zone comes to mind and yeah <laughs> probably worthy of making it through the rounds that it did just based on on that riff and and the uh the memory that it tends to to cue up in most people so uh, appreciating the variety, you know, and being able to take a different look at not just a holistic song. Yeah. I, I imagine Berg would be smacking down pretty much every song on this list. Uh, but that's what the Secret of Hall of Fame is, is all about. It's queuing up those meatballs and, and celebrating some of those amazing moments in music that we're all after. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, good stuff, Luke. Appreciate, appreciate the thoughts there. Just to do a quick recap before we get into the details here. Again, the Secret of Hall of Fame is a bracket-style tournament of 68 songs, and we're trying to whittle that down 
to the sickest riff of all time. Jess and I, we've supplied 30 songs each, and then we've got an additional eight songs coming in from some folks in the core four and a few other people out there as our playing games. And we're trying to, you know, each week, week in, week out, discuss which tracks are going to make it into the later rounds. Just as we did last week, we're going to focus our attention on a single region of the bracket for two rounds, starting off with 16 songs that will go head to head, leaving us with eight winners that will then whittle down to four after a second round of debate. That gets us our four winners from this week and our four entrants into the sick 16, which will be our season finale in episode five after we're done with all four, four quadrants. So all that to say, we're into week two here. We're into our next round of the Sick Riff Hall of Fame, and, and I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, I want to go ahead and, and bring GD Dave in here. We've, you know, we've we've checked the game tape. We, we've gone to the whiteboard. We've made a few changes on how we're going to approach things this week. Dave, you want to walk us through those? Yeah, just uh, we're always looking to improve and and get the best pod out there we can. So just a couple of small changes coming this week. Uh, so going forward, the core four member that's the moderator, they'll also be kind of in charge of steering the discussion uh, during the the back and forth on any of the songs, just so you guys don't have to worry about handling that while you're also trying to discuss the merits of the the songs you got up up there. So he'll be handling that and he'll be kind of staying out of uh, dropping his opinions, only stepping up uh, if tiebreakers are needed, because we kind of saw hmm. last week, you know, if if the moderator drops their opinion early on and then a <laughs> tiebreaker comes up in a later round, we kind of already know which way they're leaning. So it uh, ruins a little bit of the, the suspense. We need and then drama. the other chain, uh, just to kind of further give you an idea of what, what's being looked at for each matchup, along with obviously mentioning the song and artist, we'll call out, you know, is this the guitar intro, the bass line, the uh, bridge guitar riff, whatever else. So you kind of know where mm. in the song this is coming from. Awesome. Um, some things that I think will help, you know, usher the discussion along and, and also clarify, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what is, what isn't a sick riff last week. And I think, and Justin, feel free to chime in here, but I had, I had something in my mind when I pulled each one of these songs. And I think if we just establish that right out the gate, as opposed to just saying what song it is, our discussion will be able to focus around that exact thing that we are after. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, as we've come to realize, the definition of a sick riff's a little bit vague. <laughs> um, obviously ran into that problem on every single song last week. So I think making steps this week to sort of clarify a bit, that's going to be good. But at the end of the day, it's just hanging out, talking about good songs. So we're still out here having fun. Hit the nail on the head, Justin, hanging out, chatting about some great songs. Uh, no place I'd rather be. So looking forward to jumping in here. All right, good stuff, everyone. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on, on week one and also previewing week two. I, I think we should go ahead and get right into it. Dave, you want to hit us with our first matchup? Yeah, we'll jump right into things with the uh, play-in game of Region 2. So this matchup, it's going to kick off with the baseline hook from Heartbeat by Childish Gambino.
And that'll be going up against the guitar drum intro from Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Oh boy. Yikes. God is Rack right. Him. Woof. Listen to Rack him. Little Jim Rome shout out there from producer Luke. Love to hear it. That's all I can think of. Yeah. Woof. Man. All right. Well, considering this is the playing game and we've got both submitters on the line here, I think Jess and I can go ahead and take the reins at least out the gate on this discussion. Man, um, I think Luke was maybe teasing his submit a little bit earlier with the hip hop. Um, kind of the hip hop commentary definitely hits you that, that bass drop on, on childish Gambino for sure. But then again, I mean, welcome to the jungle. That guitar intro is about as legendary as, as it gets totally opposite ends of the spectrum here. Justin, what are your initial reactions? I know you're a big Gambino fan. What are your thoughts here? Huge Gambino fan. I'd actually kind of completely forgotten about heartbeat. That was on, was that on camp? Indeed camp. Yep. Wow, yeah. Uh, great song, great beat. Um, really love it. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle sucks. Super <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I'm coming. Yeah, big hot take at the beginning here. Uh, not a fan. So this wow. is gonna. This is already a no brainer for me. I I don't know if it's that I've heard it ten million times or if I just generally just don't like the song. But yeah, not a fan. Man. Justin yeah. just coming off yeah. the sidelines with a haymaker. Um, <laughs> that is, it, it, it's hard to ignore that strong of an opinion, especially Justin, <laughs> when we, as we've said before, this is this is our podcast, you know, like this is a Dover takeover. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and given your passions on this, I'm inclined to put you in the driver's seat. I, I will give a quick shout out to, to Welcome to the Jungle. I don't think it sucks. I, I think it is, a you know a victim to overplaying and we've maybe had some of that yes. with some songs that we've discussed previously and some we may discuss in the future i don't know and i i think it when something is overplayed that much it elicits a, a reaction that i think is inherently you know you're not buying in right if you've heard it thousands of times it it, it doesn't hit you the same way it would i i do think the guitar work is pretty cool i think it's some of slash's best um, kind of chops the fact that he layers in a bit of delay, which I, I feel like is not maybe what you, you would expect to hear from kind of like 80s hair metal, Guns N' Roses. Like, you know, delay is, is all about the edge and you 2 and, and creating an atmosphere and things like that. So the fact that they worked it into the, the intro here and the guitar is kind of pinging around all the different channels. I mean, I think it's cool. I, I, I personally don't get tired of the intro, but I can understand someone who would. And, and Justin clearly in this case, it is not feeling welcome to the jungle. I'm inclined to agree. I have a hard time saying no to the childish Gambino bass line. I think it's a solid riff. I don't think it's got quite the same weight as Still Dre that came out the gates last week and just hit us over the head. Um, wait for the matchup. Wait for the matchup. <laughs> wait for the matchup. 
yeah, matchup in the championship game or final four, I'm sure Luke is hoping for, but I, I do agree with Justin. I think of the two, when we're talking about kind of what sticks out in the Sickroof Hall of Fame, there is some, there's something unique about uh, hearing that crazy distorted baseline here. And I'm kind of inclined to go with Gambino as well. Justin, any, any wrap up thoughts here before we toss it to our submitters for their thoughts? Yes, you much more eloquently put the welcome to the jungle issue than I did. Yeah, it's the overplaying problem. And, you know, it, it, I guess fundamentally it is solid guitar work and playing, but I don't know. The heartbeat, you know, it comes in really strong and it's, you know, it's very powerful. So yeah. that, it's great. I, I think it deserves the, the W here. Inclined to agree. Let's, let's start it. there and go to salt ai himself frequent gilder on the on the podcast but not having the same level of success so far in the sacred hall of fame dave talk us through this submit yeah i mean i, I have no problem with kind of what's been said so far uh campino is obviously obviously a, a great freaking baseline there and hard to mm. argue against that um you know i kind of came in on this uh at the last minute uh not gonna submit from someone else and Figured I would just go out there and, and find, you know, kind of a, you know, one of the iconic, well-known guitar songs or whatever. And yeah. I, I totally agree with, you know, the points made about being overplayed and whatnot. And in, in that regard, I, I don't really have too too big of a argument or not too upset about, you know, if, if that's why it goes down. But yeah, Gambino is definitely a solid one. And I could see that making through. I hear you. And I'm glad that we have a space where we can talk about the meatballs that might get struck down in this case welcome to the jungle because i think they deserve their time in the sun but it's it can be a tough angle and a tough line to walk right so i i totally get to submit and i'm i'm glad to have heard those guitar notes coming over the airwaves but i'll go ahead and toss it to luke here what's behind this gambino submit of yours not the first gambino submit into this podcast feed from you am i recalling that correctly that is correct. Yeah, I yeah. took my shot with uh, Sober off of the mm. Kauai EP. Uh, got shot down amazingly because of what I think is the Patrice point of that song and of that album, uh, which was mind-blowing. Another breakdown element that maybe shares some similarity to the beat uh, from Heartbeat. Um, I will say, shout out to Guns N' Roses, like one of the all-time hype man songs i i can't imagine being in a football stadium or wherever guns and roses were playing in the the late 80s and having that song come on and realizing you're about to hear welcome to the jungle live i mean it must have just been bonkers but then yeah. as time has passed every time that song comes on i either think of jim rome or i think of uh i think of matt damon on snl saying you know where you are you're in the microwave baby uh as he imitated uh <laughs> axel rose during a hot pockets uh <laughs> so uh there was that um on the gambino side uh yeah this is uh one of the all-time tracks for me and my crew uh not the the song that you would think would maybe be the number one hit among among my my team but something about that combination of the real laid-back piano that where most of the verse occurs that then comes into that just insanely hard hitting uh, hook or beat um, it just kind of opened my mind to like, wow, you know, Gambino, this was his third or fourth album or 10th album, if you count mixtapes. Um, but this one really stood out to me on that camp album as doing something totally different and uh, shout out to Ludwig Gorenson, who's his producer and his musical partner. Um, he also is the guy that did, 
the the main score for the Mandalorian. If anybody's into that, huh. I mean, oh no way! Is, yeah, he's uh, becoming more and more more well known outside of uh, Gambino, but he was side by side with him in the studio, tours with him, uh, plays guitar, does a ton of the production. He's kind of Gambino's secret weapon, um, along with the guy who directs his videos specifically. This is America, right? I think those three things have kind of put him on the map as the musical star that he's become so uh, i was super happy to get a shot to say look i don't know if everybody's going to dig the lyrics and, and potentially the overall vibe of the song but hard to deny um when that drop hits so i think it was perfect uh for this this venue happy uh, to have him make it through yeah good a good sick riff contender for sure i'd say and and something you mentioned about the wall of sound i you know i'm not that familiar with Gambino's catalog, but <laughs> the songs that I am, I feel like they all have that Patrice point you were mentioning. And whether it is a drop or a bass line or something like that, it, it kind of just takes over the entire soundscape. Um, mm-hmm. But it it does so in a way that I, I don't think is distracting or detrimental to the song. It, it kind of makes makes the song and it makes it so it makes it stand out in such a big way, which is why I think you think he has so many neat tracks and this is definitely, definitely one of those. So I I'm with you on the love. And I, I think Justin, as he said, is there as well. So a good winner here in round one, that's going to be childish Gambino winning over welcome to the jungle. We're in, we're in the dance boys. All right, we'll take it <laughs> in the uh, dance. Dave hit us with that next matchup, dude. All right, so yeah, winning the playing game, Gambino is going to move straight into the round of 64, where it'll be going up against the drum intro from One Little Victory by Rush. that's going to be difficult to compete with but hey this is uh this is what the sick riff is all about hip-hop hooks versus maybe the best drummer of all time rock drum intros uh justin you want to kick us off on this one yeah so this is a tricky matchup here we got neil pert on the drums right just absolutely going crazy it's it's phenomenal drumming throughout the song, but yeah, that's a great, powerful opening sort of drum riff, if you will. So there's no denying uh, the power of one little victory here. Um, it is up against Heartbeat, which, you know, as I've discussed, big Childish Gambino fan, big fan of Heartbeat. So I need a little bit of time to, to think about it. This is going to be a, a close call for me. What do you think, Blake? Okay, well, Justin's on the fence here. This is my submit, and I agree, a tough matchup and a unique matchup because we're, as Luke mentioned, you know, crossing genres here and we're all over the map. But this was one of the, the riffs that I absolutely had to get in and feature on the Sick Riff Hall of Fame because I think it, it's good to get some variety. We, we don't just want the guitar licks or, or whatever it may be. Um, I'm a drummer myself, nowhere near uh, the level uh, of Neil Peart. I don't think I could play this riff for the life of me, but it's it's hard to ignore the the effect that Neil Peart had on drumming. And let me lay out why why this song is so cool and give you guys some context. So obviously, like on the face of it, I mean, it's it's amazing, right? It 
there it's hard to think of any other intro to a song that's led by drums only that has that level of energy, that level of you know heat just right out the gate. Um, and what's so amazing about the fact that it kind of just you know hits you right out of right from the start is that this kind of comes after a period of a lot of turmoil for for Rush and and Neil Peart himself. This is this song is from the early 2000s, and in the late 90s they kind of rushed. They wrapped up a tour and everything, and, and Pert, the you know the drummer for Rush, who's featured on this clip, had big family tragedy, lost a daughter and, and a wife within the span of the year, and he essentially goes off the grid for a year or two with his motorcycle, traveling the country, sending postcards like no cell phone, right? Day before the cell phone. Sending out postcards to let his know, let his family, let his bandmates know, know he's still out there, but he kind of just goes away for a while. And you know, as this is all happening, as he's kind of out of the scene, he's also kind of like reinventing how he plays the drums. He's changing how he holds the sticks, and he's relearning basic techniques from this jazz coach. He like it's something out of a movie. It's like a Yoda training, huh. you know, session, right? With with Luke on on whatever that weird planet was, and he comes Dagobah. back. Dagobah, yeah. yeah. He comes back, and this is what they lay down. Like, this is what he comes back with after all that. After tragedy, I like after imagining, totally, you I know. I like imagining that somehow he's got, like, his entire kit just some, like, strapped to the back of his guitar, <laughs> so he looks like some weird guitar hobo, you know? Uh, I'm sure that, or not guitar hobo, drum hobo. I'm sure that's yeah. not the case, but uh, hard to imagine tooling around on your motorcycle and also getting better at drums at the same time. It's I, I you know, and unfortunately Neil Peart's no longer with us, but this this story and also this riff itself, again, I, I don't didn't want to go too far in the story, but I think it's just so, so fascinating. I wanted to share it with everyone. Um, but but this drum riff, I mean, you can throw it in, in any action sequence or you know, Justin Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit intro, and you know exactly what you're in for. You're in for high octane, you're in for just an an insane high energy situation so when that when this hits you I, I think it's hard to deny and i think it is pretty strong contender here i i would throw my hat in with one little victory over over gambino in this particular case justin you've had some time to marinate uh you know a few minutes uh at this point what do you think <laughs> the the long neil pert story has changed my mind and i'm gonna vote for one little victory that's actually a phenomenal story. Is that a little YouTube corner we can go to? Is that some video that you got all this data from? There, so the orig- it originates from YouTube corner. There's like a documentary about him. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to pull that. Maybe it's a Rush documentary. Um, I'll, I'll throw that in show notes. Because that's interesting. So you got this, this guy, you know, not doing well in life. And then, yeah, it comes back with this really amazing, powerful riff. That's, you know, there's something to be said about that. That's really cool. Um, so oh, I... To having a bit of a blind spot for Rush, and this certainly sounded like a Rush song, but I did not recognize the name, and I'm, it's crazy to realize this was written and produced in the 2000s. So, yeah, it, it yeah. felt like he's right back on his game from, uh, you know, Rush's heyday. Right. It's it's a late career banger, a little Vertigo-esque, mm-hmm. just, you know, 30 years after they hit the scene, they, they come out with this. Let me drop one more clip on you all. It, it sounds like one little victory is getting the victory as it were in this case but wanted to just you know play a clip where everything's kind of coming to be- together with the vocal and the guitars and the drums come back in and it, it's just so good 
Anyways, I think that's just Rush at their best. And, you know, 30, 40 years into it, whatever it was at the time, it's just, to this day, a truly legendary drum track. So I, I wanted to give it its due on the Sick Roof Hall of Fame. Impressive. Justin, you got anything else? No, I. it's going to have to go to one little victory, 100%. All right. Well, Gambino, we knew you for so little time. Uh, <laughs> but... You've uh, you've lost to potentially the greatest drummer of all time, and that's uh, <laughs> that, that's hard, fair. Hard to argue with when all you did was put out one small beat for one song. So, <laughs> looks like Rush is moving on, and I think we're ready for the next matchup. All right, we'll start off the next matchup with the guitar shredding from "Star Spangled Banner" by Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> that particular tune myself it sounds nice uh sounds like you know maybe something that a country could get behind uh and wow uh one of the all-time famous uh renditions of the anthem quick follow-up oh yeah, yeah that'll be coming up bad. against the guitar intro from jailbreak by acdc there was a friend of mine on murder Judge's gavel fell. Jory found him guilty. Gave him 16 years in hell. Wow. A uh, a TGP OG submit as well. Making, making yeah. a comeback. Yeah. Wow. Uncle Loves is proud. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a reason one. for that. All right. Let All right. Well, it sounds like maybe, Justin, you should kick us off if you've got I, the reason. The, the genesis of the Sick Riff Hall of Fame is jailbreak by acdc it was oh, maybe is it? The, it is it is wow. i've been waiting for this moment to, to <laughs> share the story with our five listeners on maybe what week three or week four of the sick riff hall or what's that podcast called the, the guild of playlist that's it yeah that's, that's it. it uh jailbreak and i have a little group chat it was it's ryan blake and justin and i boldly said and direct quote Jailbreak deserves a spot in the Sick Riffs Hall of Fame, which is something I just made up uh, on the fly. And then Blake and I then, for a few weeks afterwards, joked about how we should start a podcast about Sick Riffs, and here we are. Here we so, are. it being the genesis of this show, I really felt that it uh, deserved a spot here. And, you know, pretty Sick Riff, not going to lie. <laughs> straight straight can't forget forward. About that. Yeah, that's the drop in the hammer. <laughs> It's, you know, it's straightforward. And what's really cool about it is it drives the entire song. It's the, the riff carries out through most of it. So that's really the test of a really strong riff is that it can carry the weight of an entire song on it. Yeah. I also had a, a quick ACDC hot take. I think Bon Scott's a better singer than Brian Johnson. Mm. Can, go ahead, Blake. I might, I might just have to leave that one there. That's, that's a okay, whole okay. pot in and of itself. <laughs> um, man, I, I did not expect this i did not expect a tgp alum to make it on to the secret hall of fame and yet i can't think of a more appropriate track it justin is right we're here because of jailbreak 
and also here, I, I you know, Justin worked in that this was his idea, and all right, yeah, we'll we'll give that to him. But you know, this song carried enough weight for us to jokingly, you know, think about starting a podcast, and here we are in a podcast talking about sick riffs. So I think there's something to be said for that. Talking about the actual riff itself, I mean, it's it, it's classic ACDC, right? It's it's got that amazing, just kind of simple and also kind of dirty. I, I don't know something about the recording. Like sometimes you hear guitars get all polished up and they sound nice and clean and everything with a lot of post-processing. This is just Angus plugging right in, you know, hit record on the mic and that's it. Right. It's kind of got this dirt to it that I think gives it a lot of character and is, makes it such an absolute classic. Um, so I'm, yeah, it, it's hard to to ignore the effect that this song has had on you know ACDC's career, kind of you know the Angus Young effect on on guitar and and that world of music and overall, and then and then the podcast. So it, it's a good submit. Let me talk about Jimi Hendrix real here. I, I've got my my troll hat on a bit for this submit. I, I, don't, I don't really know where this came from. Shout out to Francis uh, Key Scott, circa eighteen fourteen for this track. Uh, but also, of course, Jimi Hendrix. This is from Woodstock in 1969. And, you know, again, to show my YouTube fanboy card, my introduction to this moment in musical history came from Rattle and Hum, which I think we also shouted out last week. But they kind mm-hmm. of bump this song as the intro to Bullet the Blue Sky in that DVD and in that album. And it is this amazing one-two punch and kind of, you know, taking it's the ultimate form of protest music, right? It's it's mm-hmm. taking something that's established and has all this inherent meaning and flipping it on its head and adding a whole new character and whole new interpretation to it. And this is definitely a YouTube corner because it's just, you know, an absolutely iconic moment in time when he he took this the anthem and, you know, did his Jimi Hendrix thing with it. I, I don't even know if this counts as a riff. Just what do you think, Justin? Do you think this counts as a riff, or am I just am I a little too too cute with this one? I, you know, you might have been a little too cute with it. I I can't say it's a riff. Like this is more of a stretch than um, other ones. However, it is a very notable, you know, piece of music. It's a pretty defining moment of Woodstock. Uh, I actually almost submitted a live song from Woodstock, so I'm glad I didn't because we would have had a a repeat. Um, but yeah. Worth a mention, but in terms of standing up towards uh, jailbreak, I don't think it has a chance. Yeah, hmm. I, I think you're right. I don't think it has a chance. Um, but yeah, you know, I was thinking about it too when when we were kind of sending our riff description to Dave this week ahead of time. It was pretty easy for me to go. All right, drum intro to One Little Victory. That's that's pretty obvious. I didn't I didn't know what to put for this. I think I ended up just going with what guitar shredding or something, Dave. Yeah, guitar the shredding anthem to the national anthem. That yeah, is the anthem. something like that. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm with Justin. I, I think it it's pushing the boundary of the sick riff, and also I you know it's up against a truly important song for many reasons. And I don't think it's going to make it into the next round, but uh, some good YouTube corner content. I'll throw it in the show notes. But I think, Justin, in, unless you got any last minute changes of art, I think we're going to go with um, Justin's track here, Jailbreak by ACDC. Yes, yes. All Sounds right. Sounds like we got a winner. 
Yeah, Luke, any thoughts on this matchup from your end? Uh, yeah, I, I I agree completely. Uh, in terms of jailbreak versus the ban- the Star Spangled Banner, I mean, shout out to Hendrix. Uh, I just watched Bill and Ted 3 today, which I can't recommend. But Hendrix <laughs> is, uh, is in that uh, in a weird way. Uh, anyway, maybe maybe not his best, uh, you know, representation. Uh, but serves his place in music that entire performance, right? Move probably moved the rock genre forward uh a, a few a few notches um i'm amazed the jailbreak keeps getting as much love as it does personally just because for me there's so many other acdc either licks or hooks or whatever you want to call it that are that are better but it is one that i hadn't really marinated on all that much uh prior to tgp so mm-hmm. i'm excited to get some more exposure to it i do dig dig it and it is uh very very good so i'm happy to see it move on to the next round especially up against the awkward matchup of uh of the anthem so I, uh, I definitely agree with you there in that it is, I, I think it is one of those ACDC riffs that maybe doesn't come, you know, top of mind right away when you're thinking about their, their most I iconic. Mean, it's moments. probably because it's not on the Back in Black album, right? Which yeah. is like the exactly. album of all time. So yeah, no, I, I get it. Like it's, it is cool that it's a deeper cut. So props there. Yeah, for sure. All right. On to uh, game number three. Yeah, just one little bit of trivia I'm going to toss in there, kind of related to the the Francis Scott key call-out. Uh, one thing I learned from a different podcast a couple of days ago, although the lyrics came from his poem, the actual tune for the song came from a British song, which is kind of ironic since it's our national anthem. Nice. Boy, the king. Love king's it. not going to let us live that one down. Yeah, and also just a spoiler for things coming up. Not the only TGP alum that we'll be hearing tonight, but you'll have to wait to hear that. But for the next matchup, we're going to kick things off with the bridge guitar riff from Rough Landing Holly by Yellowcard. That'll be facing off against the main guitar riff from Gloria by U2. You knew that uh, this thing wasn't going more than two episodes without a U2 riff getting in there. Uh, Happy to hear it. (laughs) uh let's uh let's kick it to blake to to start this one off wow i this might be the start of the dover civil war i mean pitting yellow card against you two i don't know if that was intentional by our salt ai but it's (laughs) man (laughs) you could not pick a tougher matchup for me personally Uh, i mean i'll get to glory in a second I, i got a lot of thoughts about all things you two as as our loyal listeners know. But let me start off with Rough Landing Holly by Yellow Card. Yellow Card were the masters of, of pop punk from the mid to, to late 2000s. They have so many, you know, huge hits from 
the era in which they were, you know, a huge kind of radio band. But this is one of their harder rocking songs, and I think is one of the best bridges in any form of music, just for the sheer levels of <laughs> I don't even know uh, shredding, you know, awesomeness. Like it's it, it's an amazing riff. It's not that complex, but it it kind of takes a song that's already high energy and kicks it into into high gear. And there there are three parts to the riff. There's the intro where the guitar is like kind of muted but the drums switch to a much higher tempo gear. And then there's like the main part where everything comes in, guitar, bass, and, and whatnot. And then the last part, they start adding the harmony on top of the guitar riff to kind of just give it even more character and everything. So it's this amazing thing that builds and builds and builds. And I think it just kind of, it, it's a perfect thing to add to a song. It doesn't carry the song. I know Justin was just saying like, jailbreak that riff carries the entire song this doesn't carry the song it carries the bridge but the bridge in this song is what makes it such an epic track and i think there there's room in this podcast for both the sick riff that is the main part of the song and then also also the bridge so i'll go ahead and pause there justin what are your thoughts on rough landing holly obviously we go we go quite a ways back with yellow card here well this is quite the hilarious predicament we're in because to be honest i I had to throw in Gloria because I knew that'd be an easy pick for you because, as the big U2 fanboy. Um, but I, didn't, I think you threw in Rough Landing Holly sort of to trick me because you <laughs> very much know that I'm a big fan of this riff. It's textbook sick riff. You're right. Mm. Uh, sort of towards the middle where they start to harmonize with the rhythm and the lead guitar. That's, that's really yeah. good stuff. And it, yeah, high energy song and it just sort of gets amplified at that moment. Um, so yeah, I, yes. A little harmony coming in. Yeah, Sorry, that, on that's, you. Go good. Ahead. that's good stuff right there. Um, so you've said everything about Rough Landing Holly that's great about it. Uh, Gloria, great riff. Mm. All, that er- all that early edge playing um, in the first couple albums is just really awesome, really innovative, you know. As yeah. I'm sure you can do a much better job of explaining as the local U2 expert, but... Uh, his use of is great, especially towards the end of this riff, um, the main riff. There's some awesome little delay going on here. Um, this is actually one of my favorite U2 riffs. Um, came off of a bizarre U2 album. It's a cut from October, which, if we're being honest, wasn't their finest work. You might disagree with me on that, Blake. But Sophomore slump. Uh, sure, it's fair. It happens to the best of us, I guess. But this is most definitely a standout track, and uh, I think the Fedge really carries it with the heavy-hitting guitar. Sedge yeah, no, does carry my... this track. Yes. Yeah, I mean, as Justin laid out, throwing a U2 song on here, I mean, automatically puts it in an advantage for me because of how much of an absolute U2 fanboy I am. And not only am I a U2 fanboy, I am an Edge um, imitator, if you will. I, I dabble in guitar, but the main area I dabble in is honestly trying to recreate U2 songs and recreate sounds that Edge is able to to make with his guitar and his effects. And I think, I mean, gosh, this might be the only time we get into into the Edge, but I think he's one of the greatest guitar players of all time because of how innovative he is and how he's taken such a unique approach to the instrument. instrument. You know, he's not the technically the best player and he cannot shred, like, really at all. But he has enough chops and enough kind of brains to 
put all these different pieces of the instrument together and, and create just super unique soundscapes. And I think, I think Gloria is a, a good edge riff and a good U2 riff. I don't think it's, it's, I wouldn't put it in his kind of upper echelon because it, it relies on kind of more traditional style of playing. You're right, Justin, there is some delay here, but it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a bit more muted than on, on some tracks where it's like really obvious. I mean, streets have no name or bad, like those are, the delay is kind sure. of front and center. This is a bit more laid back. What I will say is great about Gloria, and I don't think we have the clip, but I urge our listeners to to listen to this song, is during the chorus, the first two-thirds of this song are kind of in like a weird minor key, right? And Bono's like singing these weird Italian lyrics or something like that, and it just, I mean, it's a weird song. But then the last chorus, it switches to a major key, and Edge is playing kind of just lifts the song into this really like positive sounding vibe do you know what i'm talking about justin yeah 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 the that bridge really changed it up really nice yeah yeah so i when i think about this song and the moments in in the song that really stand out to me i think about that that last chorus and, and kind of how the song goes on the journey from this weird kind of dark sounding song to something that's a lot brighter and, and more positive sounding the riff itself though is great i mean We've been fortunate enough to see this song a few times live, right? I think we saw it just a few years ago in Atlanta, and you add that kind of frantic guitar riff on top of you know Larry's drums and kind of just the throbbing bass. It's it's that classic early U two U two combination. I think Justin, that's probably why you wanted to submit it and why it was so great. I'm I, mm-hmm. I'm still I'm going back to when we saw it live just a few years ago. It was so good, so high energy. Oh yeah. I've got to wonder, is that the only song off of October that still gets some plays, you know, on your average set list night for you two? Because I'm looking yeah. at the track list and yeah, October is that sophomore slump like I've almost never seen. I mean, they still play tons of songs off Boy and I think they still play a few songs at least off of, uh, off of, I'm blanking on the next one, off of War Up, you know, so I mean. Yeah, it, Luke, it pretty much is the only one that's still around. Um now Every now recording. and then, October comes on in, and you know they, they drop in the set list. But this is really the main one that has has stuck around. I can chime. Well, no, we need to get a vote, and I've got I've got some thoughts. Luke's Where got some thoughts. Justin, let's let's figure this out. Um, man, I hear you on on Q and U two up for me, and I think there's a lot to love about Gloria. The reason why I'm in Yellow Cards camp here is because of how massive that riff is in the bridge and how it just absolutely rockets the song into the stratosphere and while i think gloria is a great u2 riff i think there are some others out there that kind of um you know exemplify what edge's sound is is all about Uh, as good as this is i think there are maybe some better ones out there i don't know what your your thoughts are i know you have a special place in your heart for gloria but of course Got some yellow card love as well. Are you leaning any particular way on this one? Uh, I'm definitely leaning towards yellow card at the moment. Um, it's definitely my favorite, like yellow card riff. And you know, growing up seeing them live a dozen times, two dozen times, and seeing them perform Rough Landing Holly live just about mm-hmm. every time, it's it's always been really great. And because it's our podcast, I can make <laughs> these personal decisions on these songs. So. I think I'm going to go Rough Landing Holly. We're going to go Rough Landing Holly. I'd be remiss not to give a shout out to 
Sean Mackin, the violinist in Yellow Card, he he pops Man, in there with the Uncle vocal loves, cut I don't halfway know what he's through. About, about this one. <laughs> um, yeah, during the live cuts, he he hits in there and and really just like brings it home with this amazing vocal cut right in the middle. So I don't know. I think this is one of my absolute favorite Yellow Card moments, and I'm glad we're gonna move it through into the next round. Luke, you said you got some thoughts here. Feel free to feel free to share. Well, I'm. Uh looking at it i'm a very surface level spec uh yellow card fan i definitely rocked some ocean avenue back in my day hmm. <clears throat> excuse me and uh i've had plenty of time with dashboard confessional dashboard is probably the band i've seen five six times out of the uh the emo era i i did have to key in on something that you know might sound redundant but the emotion that that yellow card tends to bring out with their riffs or their drops or their hooks or courses, whatever it is, you, you know, the, they put the emo in emotion. Uh, I, I just have to respect it, you know, and I can't say I've listened to rough landing Holly all that much, but uh, it, it hits all those notes, pardon the pun. So uh, I'm happy to see maybe an underdog, you know, in the grand sense of things moving forward over a very good uh, older kind of deeper cut from you two, but maybe not, uh, their finest moment, not hitting their pinnacle. So excited to, to see it. And uh, yeah, let's uh, move on to the next round. Dave, what do we got? All right. Next matchup, we're going to kick things off with the baseline from Good Times by Sheik. And that'll be going up against the guitar intro from Weird Fish's Arpeggi by Radiohead. got soul and rmb versus british rock slash pop amazing matchup uh justin let's start with you so i submitted the weird fishes um however i've completely thrown them back by blake's submission right now because <laughs> the good times baseline is undeniable and it's uh history and music has been really established i actually watched some video today about how many songs have sort of sampled this bass riff uh another one bites dust by queen for You're example kidding. today yeah i watched it this wow. morning um the first rap song ever it's called like breaks on a car or something it uses this as a sample rapper's delight so... yeah yeah rapper's delight oh oh we'll get there <laughs> oh you, you got that loaded up all right sweet so <laughs> wait so it stands alone as a really great riff right that's a great little bass line um but then just the sort of history behind it and how important it is becoming music is really undeniable. Um, in terms of weird fishes, the more I thought about after I submitted this, if, uh, if this podcast was the sick crescendos hall of fame, <laughs> I think this would be, this would take the cake for sure. 
because that main little guitar riff like it slowly builds through like the first four minutes of the song and all the other instruments sort of join in and it builds this just massive wall of sound towards the end which is you want me to really... run that clip justin you got another yeah, one yeah yeah that's yes go for it Yeah, so it just builds into this massive wall of sound, like I said. So I, I thought I deserve a sweet shout out here. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I submitted it. What are your thoughts, Blake? Well, I I agree about the Crescendo Hall of Fame, and I think Weird Fishes on an album that is just undeniably Radiohead's best. I feel like this was a yes. topic of discussion briefly on the episode in which there were two Radiohead songs featured on the Gilda playlist. This this is one of the standout tracks for that reason that you mentioned, Justin. The fact that they establish this kind of, you know, plucky riff in the beginning that just grows and builds and takes on different characters. Like in that second clip that we just heard, there, there are multiple guitars following that rhythm and that like style, but there are different notes and it gets a bit more messy in kind of classic Radiohead fashion. And it, I mean, it's, it's a really amazing kind of just uh, musical accomplishment to take that small thing and build it into an amazing wall of sound to, to your point so i definitely i definitely get the submit to to want to you know call attention to that and give us some credit so i, I hear you for sure well let's uh hear about the votes shall we we gonna we gonna go with history or one of our favorite crescendos all right i have to go history uh for me uh my last quick weird fishes comment quick youtube corner if you search up the uh Radiohead in Rainbows uh, in the basement. I don't know if you guys talked about this on the pod when you were oh, discussing yeah. Radiohead a couple weeks ago, but we you did. did. All right, yeah. that yeah, that's very good. I just needed to point that out. But yeah, my my vote's going to be for uh, the Good Times baseline. Yeah, Justin mentions in the basement that got a bit of run on the Gilda playlist a few weeks back, but we'll drop it in the show notes because it's I think one of the greatest live music videos on on the internet. So worth worth a a watch from any one of our great listeners. All right. Well, yeah, I think we're going with good times here, but let me lay out just a bit more about it. I mean, to to kind of go with Justin's style of, of you know, argument and um, opinion on the show, this is just the best baseline of all time. And there's really no denying it. And people who know about those things much more than I do, I think are, are largely in agreement there. I've got a clip where it's just the bass isolated and I wanted to play it just to, to give this song it, its due. So good. It's really hard for me to not start rapping. <laughs> yeah, all I hear is rapper's delight. A little, a little rapper's delight, you say. Mm. I said a hit. So good. The hip, the hip, the hip, hip, hop, you don't stop. Rock it out, baby, bubble to the boogity bang, bang, the boogie to the boogity beat. See, as Justin mentioned, this bass line, not only is it like the greatest of all time, but it also inspired loads of songs. And I'm Justin, I'm cracking up that you watched a video just today about yeah <laughs> about all this. And like half the things you mentioned, I, I pulled clips from. I pulled this. I pulled another one, Bites of Dust by, by Queen, which is... Also, you know, very much inspired uh, by this this bass line. 
you can hear it those three those three yeah. bottom notes right it's it's so distinctive and i think it, it's it's also funny to think about oh sorry if i could it's it's also funny to think about how this is the major separation i feel like in, in one aspect between hip hop and rock like hip hop is happy to like collaborate share beats you know pay homage to one song by by reworking it into another whereas when vanilla ice goes to uh steal use pay homage to another queen song he gets ripped to shreds right like the <laughs> rock and roll community will not stand for such things mm. and i think it, it's funny that like hip hop is like the avengers or the comic book of of musical artists right and that they are totally cool to like hey we got a common enemy we got to come together and make this happen whereas it's i mean i know there's super groups of certain kinds right but you're never like oh yeah you two and kings of leon are made a song <laughs> featuring 10 musical artists you know like yeah. that just there's no there's nothing that goes on like that. So I think that's a really cool part of hip hop. And I think this song encapsulates that perfectly. I totally agree, Luke. And there was even when I was researching this song, there's a little note about how, because all of the kind of, I don't want to say ripoffs because that's not exactly what they are, but all the inspiration, it happened like quickly for this song. And Justin maybe saw this on his video, but like, you know, this song I think came out in right around 1980 and right afterwards, is when you got Rapper's Delight and and that Queen track and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And there's this quote from Niall Rogers, who's the guitarist in, in Chic. Uh, and also, I guess, shout out to the guy himself, Bernard Edwards, who, who laid this down, uh, the bass player. But anyways, Niall was saying, like, initially they were pretty upset about kind of Rapper's Delight. And, you know, there's like some potential lawsuits and everything. But over time, he right. had come to realize how important that track was to, to hip hop and, and everything like that. And he he has said that it's become almost maybe kind of his favorite alongside the original cut as well. So I totally hear what you're saying, Luke. It's it's a cool part of of that whole world for sure. It also occurs to me that uh, there's an exception to prove the rule, which is um, Robin Thicke and uh, Mr. Nerd, whose name I can't think of right now. They got in trouble with Marvin Gaye crew right mm. they're kind of copying that song so i guess it's not all uh marvel avengers team ups <laughs> in hip-hop world but when it does happen uh i appreciate it so um okay cool so it sounds like good times good times it is forward awesome dave hit us with that next matchup all Hello. right and let's is. start off the next matchup with the guitar intro from the lemon song by led zeppelin And that'll be going up against the main guitar riff from Inter Sandman by Metallica. <laughs> It seems like we've finally got a semi-appropriate matchup here. Uh, obviously, Lemon Song maybe uh, a little earlier on in the progression of rock uh, than Inter Sandman, <laughs> but at least both in the rock genre. Uh, Justin, I believe it's your turn to kick this off. What do you got? 
Sure. Um, it really speaks for itself, the opening riff for Lemon Song. It's just classic Jimmy Page ripping away on the Les Paul. Awesome riff, real headbanger. And once again, it sort of carries itself uh, throughout the song. Uh, it's sort of a 12-bar blues riff. and it. Um, the beauty of this podcast is if a song has problematic issues with it, we can sort of glance over it. <laughs> Um, as in has a sick riff, perhaps. Yeah. So <laughs> Robert Plant's here's the following lyric later in the song from Robert Plant: "Squeeze me, baby, till the juice runs down my leg. The way you squeeze my lemon, I'm gonna fall right out of bed." <laughs> wow, PG-13, Justin. Let's keep it. Yeah. Let's keep it in the lane. Yeah. No. Back in the Robert 70s, Plant that was like. Yeah, that's that's gross. Like you don't, you don't want that. <laughs> but Jimmy Page. But Jimmy Page on the on the Les Paul. That's good stuff right there. Yeah, it's not the, the gross lyrics hall of fame. Thankfully. It's not yeah, it's not the gross lyrics hall of fame. <laughs> um it sounds like Justin, your submit is Lemon Song here. Yeah, oh yes, this is my submit. All right, um, all right. Enter Sandman. It's sort of in the same category as Welcome to the Jungle in terms of overplayed hype songs, but Enter Sandman's awesome. Uh, Metallica is awesome. This whole—I know this is sort of like a fake metal fan take here, but the whole Black album is really great. And yeah, Ender Sandman should say awesome pump-up song. So I think it's a solid submit. Yeah, I do think this this is a pretty even matchup to to Luke's point initially. And Justin, I'm I'm with you. Ender Sandman is just it's it's right up there with with Welcome to the Jungle, right? In terms of its kind of meatball overplayed, you know, guitar center horror show riff that you're just going to hear over and over again right that being said it's just so good it (laughs) it's that ubiquitous for a reason um you know both of these songs to your point justin they the riffs carry the song i when i was researching this in particular there's even a quote from the the guitarist who's like yep this is a it's a one riff song It, it it carries the weight throughout what's neat about it and i think I wanted to lay this out just a little bit is that obviously when it gets to the chorus and everything kind of explodes and the full riff comes into play, like, you know, they're firing on all cylinders. Everything is sounding amazing. They've got multi-layered guitars, the whole thing. But what's awesome about Enter Sandman and the riff in particular is that they kind of tease it out in the first minute of the song. I think you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm going to play a clip and it's essentially, they start playing kind of like the bass note and then they add the little, alterations here and there and slowly but surely they kind of work their way up to what the actual final riff sounds like so when it hits it has that much more of an impact so let me roll this clip and then uh we'll lay it out and see see where we're standing in terms of the votes start to switch it up right at the very end they add more notes in and it happens again in the next phrase and i think it's cool that the riff itself is kind of versatile right and they play with it during the song it's not just how it sounds in the chorus it is something that they can build on and build up and take apart and and kind of play with so i don't know justin if if that kind of sways you in any particular direction here what are your thoughts i i think it's pretty even because i do i think this is jimmy page at his you know, most kind of like, you know, attitude, right? It's just like a grungy, um, 
grungy sounding riff and I think it, it sounds messy in, in the best possible way. So I do, I have a lot of love for, for Lemon Song and of course, you know, everything that Jimmy Page is all about. So I'm curious to hear where you, you come out, come out on this after all that. Yeah, it's, it's a hard toss up because Enter Sandman really is strong. The fact that it can be such an overplayed riff, um, but still really hold its own and, you know, get, it really gets the, the folks moving when Enter Sandman comes on. Um, so I, I'm really actually starting to sway towards Enter Sandman for my vote. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I, this is our first Led Zeppelin song and, <laughs> And Led Zeppelin did not fare too well on the Gilded playlist, perhaps for the uh, Robert Plant reasons that we mentioned earlier. Luke, do you remember yeah, what, what song it so was from week one? Did you submit it? No, that was the Garb submit, mm. and it was... Uh, apologies, it's right here. It was the song the Remains, song the, remains same, the Same, which is... A bit of a deep cut, if you ask me. I mean, I realize it's there's almost no deep cuts when it's Zeppelin, right? Every song, every album's been remastered. Yeah, and they have all that stuff. But it it was it was not a couple of the songs to avoid song talk that I wonder might have gotten the uh, the A. I was one of the no votes on Zeppelin. I believe that was the first team up of uh, Cosmic Shame, <laughs> me and Uncle Lubs. So um, and I remember being kind of proud of that for some reason. I don't know why. The the podcast has changed so much over time. Um, but yes, uh Zeppelin has not fared well. I don't think it's been submitted again. I think it is just a single sub across season one. So And and it kind of speaks to the difficulty of throwing in well established artists into into the guild playlist. But of course we are we're free from all that here on Sick Roof Hall of Fame. Justin, I guess my mm -hmm. thought is I I really like this page riff, but I think there are others out there that are stronger and perhaps even more kind of distinctive and classic Led Zeppelin. Um, as much as I love it, I I don't know. I I am torn. I I don't want to you know be in my camp too hard here, but I I think despite its overplayed nature. It's Enter Sandman is a strong, a strong entry into into the bracket. So that's why I threw it on. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree. Enter Sandman is it is a strong entry. I can't believe I didn't even I didn't think of uh, submitting this song. Actually, it's it's great. So yeah, I, I think it gets my vote. Enter Sandman, it is. Luke, Sounds any like any quick takes from your end? Uh, just one story from uh, Old Man Luke. Old Man Luke. Uh, there was a time that I lived in uh, Eagle River, Alaska, nice small little town outside of Anchorage, uh, Alaska. And this album, uh, the Understand Man album, had just come out. And my buddies rented out an indoor um, paintball park because it's Alaska and you can't do it outdoors in the winter, right? So it's this like weird place with just like plywood things everywhere and it's like me and all my 13 year old buddies and we're having a grand old time shooting each other and everything's cool but apparently word got out that they had opened because we like paid them to like rent it out and open and a bunch of dudes from the local uh air force academy or military camp got word and they all started showing up and they started throwing them in games with us little kids so it was like 10 13 year olds and a bunch of dudes with their own you know, uh, high-powered paintball guns. And one of them was like, hey, throw some tunes up on the thing. And they played Inner Sandman. And I remember sitting there 
like cowering in the corner, like, <laughs> like a little baby as inner Sandman plays. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, these guys are going to shoot me in the face with the paintballs 18 times. Uh, I ended up doing okay, but this song is forever linked to that. Uh, so moving to its musical merits, uh, I totally agree with the pick. I, I think uh, I don't have a history of, of metal or even really listening to Metallica all that much, but these guys either created or perfected. I don't know which one a sound and that sound has sold them billions of albums has you know won their war against napster has done all kinds of insane stuff right so i think uh credit where it's due this this is metal music is not where it is today without metallica and without inner sandman so they wrote the perfect build-up the perfect riff the perfect lyric set i mean this song has it all and uh, uh definitely deserves to move forward so with that said, we've got, man, I'm looking at round two and we've got a whole bunch of range. So mm. let's see who else can move into round two with our next matchup, Dave. Let's start it off with the guitar melody from Aerodynamic by Daft Punk. <laughs> And that's going to be going up against the previously hinted at TGP alum, the guitar intro from Althea by <laughs> Grateful Dead. <laughs> Is that a studio audience? I know. <laughs> oh, no, it's a live audience. Got it. Well, you never go studio dead. Uh, unfortunately, like Blake, Blake is supposed to be the next one to go first, but I feel like I have to pass it to Justin. Yeah, yeah, Justin. yeah. We got to do it. Dead. Justin, uh, just to fill in the listeners at home, there was some, some group me chat uh, after uh, Althea, the studio version was submitted. Uh, mistakes were made. <laughs> Justin didn't mean to. And we believe him. But also, <laughs> uh, you know, there was some some scott versus justin deadhead aggro which has since been resolved uh ergo my comment about submitting studio dead obviously that was a live version of althea so uh justin tell us all about it yeah so when i submitted the studio version of althea this was in very early tgp days and i was unaware that you guys were woke to the the live cuts so i thought i'd play it safe with the studio version and i got absolutely burned for it and kind of deserved it honestly so a it was only appropriate for me to bring it back for my podcast and sort of defend myself here. Um, it's an awesome riff. Uh, the Grateful Dead, I, you know, I could talk about The Grateful Dead for hours, but Jerry Garcia just has all these phenomenal riffs throughout the years, but Althea is one that's just sort of really stood on its own. Um, it's a real standout track for them. They currently tour as Dead and & Company, and Jerry Garcia has passed away 25 years ago, and their current backup player instead of Jerry Garcia is John Mayer, which is pretty wild. And the reason John Mayer learned about the Grateful Dead is he was chilling at his pool one day and Althea live from the Nassau Coliseum came on, which is this live version. And he was apparently just, he was so floored by Jerry's incredible playing 
that you had to, you know, get in touch with these guys and, you know, the rest is history. So the riff was so sick, this is where I'm getting at, that John Mayer had to join the dead. And I have another clip of um, Jerry Garcia just yeah. noodling around, improvising. You can go ahead and play that. And it is, the, the riff is still there, right? Like, the foundation oh, is there. Yeah. He's just playing with it and, and building it up. And for the non-deadheads at home, uh, you have to be aware that he was improvising just then, right? Um, he's not playing something set. The whole point of the, the dead is they're a jam band, and they're just, you know, they're working off each other, doing something different every time. So, I don't know. It's just, it's such a cool little riff, um, and it really stands out. So Let me jump in on Althea, There's my Justin. long-winded answer yeah, about yeah. Althea. Let, let, me, yes. let me give you some love here, and then we can, we can switch over to Daft Punk. Um, you know, my intro to the dead was through dead and company the kind of outfit of the grateful dead that exists right now with john mayer kind of at the helm taking the place of jerry garcia and i mean i think we first went to that show in maybe 2017 and i had never listened to a single song prior to that point right i mean i think he kind of just dragged me out and said trust me this is going to be good yeah and of of all the great you know songs that we heard that that night althea was the one that as soon as those notes start and kind of that wave of excitement kind of goes throughout the crowd, you kind of know you're in for something good. And I just remember being really just taken aback at how not only amazing that whole song was, but how distinctive the guitar is. And to give John Mayer some love, which our our moderator may know a thing or two about, he, you know, I I think he respects, and Justin, you, you probably have more, knowledge and context on this but he respects a lot about kind of jerry garcia and what the dead was prior to his kind of role front and center but he he also like does some new things with it right and he maybe adds some different tones or or different sounds that kind of you know rejuvenate those those sounds and and bring it into a new era i might get smacked down for scott for that i don't know if that's if that's legit but that's my interpretation at least (laughs) yeah of all the songs that the dead company played uh john mayer's really made althea kind of his own yeah. song and he's really evolved it. you can tell you know every time he plays it, he, can, he can just really gel with it um and that's just it's just because that main riff is so great and there's so much of, to work off of you know from a musical improv standpoint that it's, it's just great so yeah it, it's the a great news, cut uh if you're worried about dead on dead violence here is that uh garbs is a big john mayer fan as well i know he hasn't <laughs> seen the dead with mayer but uh i know that he most likely trusts John implicitly on this. I mean, the, the guitar work, the reverence, the history that John Mayer pays tributes to with not only the blues, but Stevie Ray Vaughan and everybody else. Uh, there's no question that he's, he's not trying to do anything other than honor Jerry Garcia's memory here. So uh, I think you're, you're on good hands on that one. I, I think Justin, you, you just got a point up against Garbs there. You've seen dead and company live and he hasn't <laughs> that uh, I'm going to give that one to you. Oh, that, that can go both ways. There's some dead and company haters, so we'll see. Fair enough. Um, well, look, let me let me talk about Aerodynamic for a little bit because I know, Justin, you are a, a fan of this album. This is uh, Daft Punk, um, electronic duo, mastermind robots out of France, and, and this particular song is from their 2001 album, Discovery. I, I think what's cool about this is that it, subverts uh, we've talked about this before but subverts expectations of what you would expect out of a daft punk 
song, especially from this era where they were still kind of like transitioning out of that house phase into a bit more of a poppy kind of like electric style. And in this song, the first half has no guitar. It's all synth driven. It's all uh, drum machine driven. And then kind of right at the halfway point, and I've got the clip here, it's kind of jarring, but they they bring this guitar in and it, it is the last thing you're expecting to hear. I think I think what's cool about it is that they, in talking about the song, they essentially are like, well, you know, maybe we don't make this kind of music all the time, and it's not really our style. But you know, we grew up on sounds like this, on solos like this, you know, '80s hair metal solo shredding, and, and we we just want that in our song, so we added it. And I think they maybe expected some blowback from doing that, but what they ended up with is this extremely you know, unique and interesting song on this album that I think is one of the best on the album uh, because it has such an amazing distinctive riff. And once they take that guitar riff and they, you know, put the beat back on top, like in that first clip that we heard, and then, you know, they, they start doing their Daft Punk things. They start fiddling with the knobs and they bounces up octaves and it hits phasers and all this crazy stuff. It just, it sounds so cool. So I don't know. It's, I, I think it's maybe not like the most, guitar tapping solo is maybe not unique but in this context right in this in this daft punk song it really stands out and i think just adds a whole a whole new layer to it so justin i want to hear what your thoughts are i think i probably know how you're going to vote on this one but want to hear you your thoughts on on this particular track yeah i i completely forgot about this track um you know i'm a huge daft punk fan uh, this song, especially on their live 2007 album, oh, it yeah. really, really stands out. Even though, you know, they're not really performing it live per se. Um, just the way it's mixed with other songs within the song and the crowd's, even the crowd's reaction, I'm remembering, that when that guitar solo comes in, you know, everyone goes pretty so nuts. Good. So it's, yeah. it's really powerful stuff. Um, and yeah, like you were saying, um, really unique in sort of the whole dance music, house music they're all into to throw in this big guitar lead um but yeah it's it's awesome stuff um obviously you know where my vote's gonna go but um <laughs> big shout out to aerodynamic yeah a big shout out indeed and also i think some youtube corner is in order here because they bump this song up with one more time which is the other huge track and definitely more kind of mainstream poppy sounding song from this album so they have the solo going underneath the guitar solo and then like the one more time vocals on top and you're right, Justin. It's it's insane. It's like one of the best live cuts that there ever has been. So anyways, uh, big, big shout out to Daft Punk and Aerodynamic, this particular track. I, I really love it, but I got to go with Althea. It's, you know, it kind of introduced me to the dead. It was that first song that stood out when we saw them live. And as Justin, you know, laid out, there's, there's a lot to love about it. So I'm going to go with Althea. Sweet. Brothers Unite. Brothers Unite. Dover really? Takeover. Would have been going the other way uh, if you guys hadn't agreed. So interesting. It's a good thing you, uh, yeah, you worked it out. Give us your Kudos quick take you. on aerodynamic because it's going into the dustbin. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is. I mean, everything they do in this song is just brilliant. You know, I know certain people think electronic music is not. You know, uh, there's no skill to it. Uh, there's, I mean, there's certainly skill in writing it, and there's skill in performing it, and the ingenuity that they build in with that clip you played in the middle. 
Blake, uh, it's bonkers. Yeah. yeah. And just thinking about mixing this in with one more time uh, <laughs> blows my mind. Just imagining the music <laughs> in my mind, I couldn't imagine actually seeing it. So um, yeah, uh, despite, you know, what, as a big of a John Mayer fanboy as I am, I still have not gotten on board with the dead as much as I should. So this would just, it would have just been personal preference. Um, but Hey, respect to the dead, respect to Althea, the song that uh, started John Mayer's love affair. I hear you. Good yeah. stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. We're on to the next matchup here in round one. Dave, what do we got? Uh, let's start it off with chunks cooling off the intro guitar riff by Jank. That'll be matching up against the baseline from Dangerous by Big Data. similar genre and i think even even era songs here uh yeah. blake i think you're up first this time around what do you got yeah some some more recent cuts i like it um yeah so dangerous was my submit the second second clip that we just heard and this was a song that kind of just came onto the sort of alternative radio scene a, a few years back i mean it's probably closer to early 2010s now that i think about it but it it defies a lot of expectations for what you would think to hear on an alternative radio station because the foundation of the song is basically just what we heard. It's the bass line and that drum beat. And this bass line, I think, exemplifies patience. I know Ryan was talking about that last week, but they really just, they're not afraid of open space, right? They they hit a few key notes and it's got this crazy kind of overdrive crunchy sound they hit a few few notes and then they kind of just back out and they let the drum beat carry you know a few seconds and then it comes back in and, and i think it's just really really unique to have a entire song that made its way onto kind of alternative scene and that and that radio world that has you know such a foundation in good instrumentation and then also such a, a unique baseline like putting the bass at the front and center is not, I think, what a lot of alternative rock does, but in this particular case, it, it does. So I, I don't know. This has always stood out to me as a super unique song, and it's because of that bass line. It's like we talked about riffs that make the song, and this is a perfect example of that. Maybe like one of the best examples we've had um, because this riff is, is everything to this song. So one of my one of my kind of uh, long shot, deep pole picks, but... Uh, Really, really neat baseline. I, I wanted to give some love here. Justin, it looks like you are coming in with the track from Jank. What do you got? Jank? Yeah. So this is a really cool little sort of punk rock, math rock band. Um, they have a couple of really great uh, guitar songs. I just chose to pick this one. I really love how tight the beginning is. Um, 
the the guitars just super synced up with the drums and sort of towards the end of that riff there's two guitars sort of playing together just to sort of double on top of the riff and it's just a really strong driving sound um that's really catchy and really nice um dangerous by big data that's that's a good pull right there blake i'll have to toot your horn a little bit right there i'll take it um su- yeah super strong bass line and really just sets the attitude for the song right off the bat you know and you made a really good point about the open space where it's just a really simple drum beat and just you know quarter notes on the bass but it's you know kind of it's a less is more type situation where it's in- a incredibly in- effective beat just not doing much so um yeah that's that's good stuff right there yeah definitely Blake, evenly split what's your, what's your vote call yeah I, I don't know if i'm ready to make a call just yet I, let me talk about chunks here this is a a band with you know we're talk, we talk about play counts on the tgp it's a pretty low play count band i think justin right on on spotify hmm. and i can give you a number but yeah it's pretty low yeah and, and they're not really a thing anymore this band so they kind of just popped on the scene and then uh, disappeared but they they left a few great eps and a few great tracks and, and this is one of them i think this guy has a really unique style of playing which is i, I don't know some I, i'm just impressed with people who can still come up with new ways to, to play on a guitar but i think this song exemplifies some of those things maybe not all but kind of like a bizarre um you know chord progression or note progression like he hits this note like that and it just sounds like you're like wait a second i can't be the right note but it is because it kind of adds to the funky and weird vibe that the, the song has and so he, he does a lot of cool things with like how hammer-ons and right just in the kind of like weird intricate guitar stuff um, and I think oh, yeah. th- this is kind of like a cool precursor to to some of that. And it's also just, I mean, let's just get back to basics here. It's a freaking sick riff. It's just, it's cool. And the way it syncs mm-hmm. up with the drums is great. So I don't know. I, I'm definitely split because Justin knows uh, we've we've shared our enjoyment of of this band, Jank, you know, back and forth over the years. And um, great guitar player, great drum player as well. There's a lot to like about, you know, about that band, about this song in particular. And that riff in particular, but as Justin was saying, I think Dangerous has got a you know something going for it as a modern track that does rely so heavily on the bass and does so successfully. And I got one more clip here where the the thing to kind of keep an eye out for or an ear out for, I guess, is like they do this kind of slide with the bass at the very end of the chorus, and it just it kind of sounds cool. So let me roll this here. Right there, right as it gets into the verse, just this, you know, they're like, hey, in case you forgot, the bass is freaking crushing <laughs> on this song, and we're going to add some cool slides. So I don't know. I, I think this is a pretty even matchup. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to deferring to our moderator, um, but Justin, if you have a strong feeling either way, you know, we can, we can have that conversation as needed. You know, I was going to suggest uh, giving it off to our moderator here because not so much because we're disagreeing, we're agreeing that yeah. it's sort of a, an even tie here. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty torn between the two of them. I think they both deserve a spot pretty far down the, the roster here, but um, yeah, this, this is tricky. Luke, do you want me to run back the clips and just so you can get one more kind of look at both of these before you make your decision? Nah. I'm ready. You're ready? Wow. Let's hear it. It's going to be dangerous by Big Data. Mm. Uh, 
everything you said about it, Blake, is right. Like somehow finding its way into the indie rock world, even though maybe being more of a hip hop, you know, or or R and B style riff coming in with the bass first. Uh, this is this is a great song, and you probably have heard it on a TV show or another. I'm looking at whatsong.com and it's on about 12 uh, really? TV shows. I would it's not have guessed that euphoria. It's been on Santa, Santa Clarita diet, Lucifer revenge, Jeez. Uh, Veronica Mars back in 2014. That's when I think was, I was first exposed to it. Um, yeah. It's a great track. Love the poll. I'm not as familiar with Jank. I definitely enjoyed what I heard, but uh, strictly for kind of the familiarity and, and the fact that this track by big data has, gotten the uh the notoriety that it has rightfully so uh it's gonna get my vote fair enough luke definitely would encourage you to check out that the full track for for jank because um, i do think yep. that riff kind of builds in, in a great way in that song but uh, i hear you nice okay we're down to our last matchup of uh the first round here dave hit us yeah, last matchup, but it, it might be the most interesting based on what we got here. So we're going to start it off with Bridge Guitar Riff from Let It Happen by Tame Impala. And that'll be going up against the main guitar drum riff from Mind Mischief, also by Tame Impala. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bad news tame impala oh, is man. that you're going to get rejected again <laughs> the good news tame impala <laughs> is that you're going to move forward one way or another so uh i think uh justin is on the blocks first here what's what's your submit what's your your thoughts on the tame impala showdown well quick shout out to kevin parker of tame impala uh <laughs> seriously one of the most impressive musical groups of the 21st century in my opinion that might be a bit of a hot take retweet i'm with you brother the the blend of just old psychedelic rock and just new pop music is just phenomenal and all all of his albums are great and super unique so just quick shout out kevin parker dude's a genius genius um my submit was my mischief genius my mischief was my submit um solely because you know it's there's that main guitar riff and drum riff and sure it's a bit repetitive throughout the song which i know blake i think we've talked about this before that you have a complaint about that um, but I think it's just super awesome. Um, it's a really head head banging riff, um, and it just it builds out throughout the song. Oh man, I was gonna grab another clip from. Is, are there two clips? I've got another one. Yeah. My, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that guitar change up, that's good stuff right there. And you know, it still kind of follows the same cadence. I was about to say, yeah, it's like the same riff still, right? Yeah, 
fundamentally, but it's changed it up. Yeah. You know, through some th- distortion on it. It's awesome. Um, also, YouTube Corner, this music video is freaking wacky. <laughs> if you want to watch a wacky music video. Um, so yeah, my mischief, that's great. But also the, the guitar and Let It Happen, that's really cool. Because it's a cool song because it's what, like a six or seven minute song. Yeah. It's very yeah. much synth heavy. Um, which, you know, good and a bad thing, depends who you ask, but it's really synth heavy, and it suddenly gets into this heavy-hitting guitar moment that really just sticks out, and you're like, wow, that's awesome. So I totally see why you picked that um, as a submit. definitely belongs on this podcast. So Yeah, and, and Justin, you kind of hit on where I was going to go in terms of you know adding some context to Let It Happen, which is the first clip that we heard. Um, Obviously, and it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm glad. I think Salt AI, of course, maybe uh, cooking the books a little bit with the Tame on Tame uh, matchup, but I'm okay with it because I think it, oh, you know, we, love it. we can highlight all the different things that makes Tame Impala so great. Justin's riff kind of comes from, you know, one of his first two albums that were the early psychedelic rock days that are much more kind of instrumental. And then, you know, he took some time off, like what, maybe three or four years, Justin, and kind of switched up everything about his style and started becoming more proficient with synthesizers and drum machines and things like that. And like Justin was saying, this is the first song on that album, um, Currents, which is of that new form of Tame Impala. And the song for six minutes is all about that new sound. It's all about the synth. And you're like, where where is the old Tame Impala of old? Like, what happened? And then like the clouds freaking part and this amazing, amazing guitar riff comes through and, and just takes over the, the last minute and a half of the song. And, you know, it's got the roots in the psychedelic rock, but also like the tone of that guitar is, you know, cranked up through all these crazy effects and, you know, whatever it is that he's adding on top to just give it this cool full sound. So I think, you know, in and of itself, I I love that riff, and I've I've spent time trying to recreate the sound and the riff itself because it's so addictive. But I think, you know, in the context of the song too, it's it's really like really strong, which is why why I had to throw it on as a submit, um, even though it comes such so deep in the song. It, it definitely is not like a foundational layer to the song, kind of like Mind Mischief is. Um, and Justin was talking about it. That riff exists throughout the entire song that kind of slinky guitar up and down. And what's great about it is that it does take on different forms. Like the second clip that Justin had me pull, it is the same riff fundamentally. Like it's the same notes at the end of the day, but it, you know, it has so much more character or sound or whatever. And the fact that he switches that up throughout the song, I think is is a big plus because Justin knows, yeah, he alluded to this, but my my bone to pick with this song is just the the kind of repetitive nature of it. And I don't know. I think it's a pro and a con, right? I think it's a pro in that, like, the song is just trying to set a vibe and set a mood. And so it's like, all right, well, it doesn't need to go on some Radiohead journey to the mountaintop and back, right? Like, it just wants to be a groovy, psychedelic rock song. But at the same time, sometimes I, yes. I'm like, ah, I don't know if... I need this, you know, happening over and over and over and over again. So that's my one, you know, bone to pick with the song, but that's maybe for the song as a whole, not necessarily the riff itself, which I think is pretty cool. Any any updates from your end, Justin? Are you leaning in a particular direction? I, it's a pretty tough matchup, I'll say. I, I don't know what I'm thinking right now. 
it's a real tough matchup and you know it's sort of a win-win situation yeah um you know we got to have some sort of tame impala going up in this uh bracket so i'm glad at least one song is going to get through um and i don't know it's i'm i'm really torn honestly uh, i don't know what to pick i i do love the my mischief riff just because the whole song's built on it and i think mm. for me at least the the fundamentals of a sick riff is if you can just build off of it and have it yeah. sort of carry the whole song. I just think that makes it more special. Are you, and, and real quick, I think it sounds like we might be going to our moderator here for the tie break. Justin, do you have a, mm. you know, more general Tame Impala? Are you an early Tame Impala, late Tame Impala? Where do you come out? Oh, very much an early Tame Impala fan. Uh, his first album, Inner Speaker, is just this psychedelic masterpiece. It's, it sounds like it's something straight out of the seventies or sixties. Even it's yeah. it's so good. Um, and you know his new music is great, and you know it's just super poppy. Which, and in terms of pop music, it's awesome, and it's such a unique take. But yeah, especially uh, Lonerism and um, Inner Speaker. There's just there's nothing else like it out there. So yeah, it's awesome. Stuff. I I hear you, and I think the great part. I think the reason why we both love Tim and Paula so much is I actually think I would say I prefer his two more recent albums. Um, slow yeah, rush and that's and totally endurance. valid right yeah because they're they're going for totally different things and you know some sometimes the production and kind of unique things that are happening on his later albums that are more synth heavy and, and more kind of out there in terms of sound you know those happen to grab me but he also has this amazing back catalog like justin was saying of, of this just classic psychedelic rock and he you know he deserves in my opinion all the acclaim that he's gotten over the years for trailblazing in multiple different ways and i don't know if this fact is you know appreciated by many folks but everything you hear on entertainment impala album is literally this one guy kevin parker that's it he records everything he produces everything yeah he tours with a band but every bit of a song he creates in his own mind and i just think that's insane so Obviously, we've we got a Tame Impala through song through last week, and we've got a, a double header this this week. Man, we might have to spin off Tame Impala Hall of Fame. But Justin, <laughs> should we should we toss this one to Luke? What do you think? I think we have to. Yeah, got to do All it. Right. Another uh, easy decision for me. It's going to be let it happen. Um, again. Uh, familiarity has to play through here unfortunately i've not listened to mind mischief half as much as i've listened to let it happen that was uh the album that kind of brought me on board with tame impala 2015 album this is track one off of that uh shout out to berg who had never heard of tame impala while their number one track has 600 million spins. <laughs> and uh what? this one uh let it happen has 206 million uh as their fourth most played track yeah that that little riff that that hits that bumps uh amazing way to start the album yeah an eight minute near eight minute song to start the album and it wouldn't be that good without this riff uh it just plays a much more important part in making the song great i appreciate what you were saying justin about mind mischief being built around that riff a little bit more but it just does not bump as much as let it happen so we got to put that one through all right the bump factor okay well tame impala bump factor. uh my apologies and congratulations uh okay so that puts us into round two where I'm, I'm scanning the, uh, the matchups here and we've got emo, we've got rock, we've got 
R&B legendary status. We've got metal. Uh, it's got it all. So let's hit that first matchup around two, Dave. All right. The first one round two, we'll kick it off with one little victory from Rush. And that'll be going up against Jailbreak from ACDC. There was a friend of mine on murder. Wow. All right. Well, shrinking in on similar genres in this matchup compared to the last songs they matched up against, uh, I think we're heading to Blake first on this matchup. Yeah, this is a tough one, and this is the beauty of the bracket-style format. you you got to start making some really tough choices because everything that made it through into this round today, I think especially, um, is just really strong. So hard to be putting these two tracks up against one another. I think from a traditional riff standpoint, I, you know, Jailbreak is is just great, right? It's kind of textbook, and that's not meant to be a slight because ACDC – wrote the textbook for this kind of rock riff. Um, so, so I do think that there's something to be said for that. And, and the fact also that it spawned this podcast, we wouldn't be here without jailbreak and Justin lobbing in his take about it being a part of the sick riff hall of fame. So I don't know. I, I, I love kind of the backstory there. I'm also glad that we, we were able to feature one little victory and, and also move it through into the next round because of the fact that it's a drum based riff right i don't think we will have quite nearly as many of those as we would guitar riffs or things like that and and also for the fact that it is highlighting someone who is you know one of the musical greats of all time neil pert who not only was a drummer for rush but also wrote all the lyrics uh to rush songs fun fact um and and i think for him to late in life after like such a tumultuous period you know both within like kind of his musical world and also personal life to like lay down one of the most iconic sounding drum intros of all time is is really something so i i i'm torn i'm curious to hear justin's thoughts i think i'm leaning a certain way but of course want uh to give justin space to lay it out well there's a lot to be said about jailbreak right as you mentioned, it's the genesis of this podcast, so there's something to be said there. And even despite that, it's it's just a really solid riff. Um, like I said, it's just textbook rock and roll. Um, it it's great stuff. I, I it's actually one of my I think it is my favorite ACDC riff out of them all. Even though, for being completely honest, you know, every ACDC song sounds exactly the same and i'm sure they i think they admit this also they're like yeah we just that's just how it is which is you know you got to respect it uh but yeah it's a great riff um one little victory you ever play that song just in your car driving real fast (laughs) at nighttime huge vibes and and it's the drums that really do kick it off yeah Um, it's just super intense right out of the gate and that intensity is, you know, kept up throughout the entire song. You had that second clip at one point, Blake, where it all kind of comes together again when everyone's just going crazy on their respective instruments, but kind of just still following the drums a little bit. Um, it, it's an awesome drum track. Um, and for that reason, I think I'm actually leaning towards one little victory a little bit here. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, and I mean, I think I kind of am leaning the same way because... I don't know, not to play at the unique angle of it, but because, 
you know, the drums, it's not an instrument that you would really associate, I think, with a riff, as it were. But I think if it adds to the character of the song and kind of, you know, is able to be the backbone of the song in more ways than just a normal drum track. Like, obviously, the drums are always the backbone of the song, but this is like, it's the tone of the song. To your point, Justin, like, when you are driving Mm -hmm. at night on the highway, it's like, what is pushing you forward is the crazy drum beat. Um, so I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess we've kind of set our piece. I, I would lean one little victory as well. And if that's kind of what you're feeling, then I would not be opposed to pushing it through into the six sixteen. Yeah. I, I think we have to do one little victory. I, it's a great track. So I think it deserves to be at the six sixteen. Let's do it. Punch the ticket. Impressive. Luke, any quick takes from your end? I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I appreciate, yeah, the uh, originality of it. Um, Uncle Love's going to be sad about Jailbreak <laughs> once again, uh, but <laughs> it is pretty hard to, I mean, the, the ingenuity in that beginning of, of One Little Victory is great. I will ask you though, Blake, how do you feel this does uh, on the houseboat? Is this the kind of song that people are, because you can't get in your inner tube and drive faster, you know? One Little Victory? Man. Yeah. I think it works at, at, at Lake Powell. Justin, what do you think? All right. you're, you're holding on for dear life on the tube, just trying to get one little victory. Okay. Stay on for pretty one good, more uh, minute. I guess that's, that's pretty good that's water great. skiing warm up song for Ooh. me, honestly. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't be a chill on the boat. No, it would not be a houseboat. Right. Chill on right. the boat, too. There we go. Not quite, just to do as, that not quite as aggro as, as Thunder and Lightning, but I see where you're coming from, Luke. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I understand the head turns there. It takes a certain audience. Uh, <laughs> okay all right great we are on to the next matchup in round two dave give it to us uh the first uh riff there will be rough landing holly from yellow card And that'll be going up against Good Times by Sheik. I think if you look at this in a certain way, it might be the shortest uh, debate that we have. I, That's just me. No, I was just about to, say, I was about to jump in and say this is a 10-second yeah. debate. Yellow card, <laughs> I love you so much, but it's, it's got to be good times. Okay, good. I thought you were curveballing me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Quick shout-out to yellow card, though. It's a banger riff, but it would be irresponsible if we chose it over good times yeah i respect respect the history look blake, you agree this is the first blake on blake matchup you know trying to get into the right. 616 which Justin, it's a bad predicament <laughs> justin mm-hmm. you know found himself in this in this hole last week and and i agree it's it's painful when i saw this on the dock i was like oh man it's it's like having to choose between tr- children you know i mean look you guys are right this this is a short conversation I think Good Times has the chops to win this whole thing because of how insanely great and iconic and legendary that baseline is. As we've said before, it's the best baseline ever. Um, so it has to win this matchup. But of course, you know, I have to tip my hat to to Yellow Card on the way. 
because obviously Justin and I, we go way, way back with that band. We've seen them countless times live, have so much love for their music, you know, the band members. Um, it's, it's, it was a really kind of formative group for, for our kind of musical growing up. And, and growing up in general, not to get too sappy, but, you know, it's brother podcast, so we can do it. Um, so anyways, mm-hmm. man, like Justin said, so much love for Yellow Card and so much love for this riff in particular. I mean, the what this bridge does to this song just takes it into the stratosphere is unbelievable and was a surefire submit on my end. So glad we, we got it out of the first round and were able to give it some love, but... Good Times by Sheik is, I think, one of the strongest entries, not to toot my own horn, <laughs> uh, one of the strongest entries in the bracket, so got to move it through. Yeah, I mean, the history tells the tale there. So on to the 616 for Good Times. Uh, next matchup, very different uh, genre-wise. We're going to have a real clash here. Dave, what do we got? Uh, first song in that clash will be Inner Sandman from Metallica. And that'll be up against Althea from the Grateful Dead. Rightfully started with Justin last time. Maybe now we give uh, Blake the mic to kick it off. Which way are you leaning here, Blake? Yeah, this is pretty tough because running back the freaking Enter Sandman clip just got me all hyped up all over again. Like <laughs> when it drops right into the chorus and and the riff comes blasting through, it's so good. And I know we talked about how it's overplayed, but it is just fantastic every time around. That being said, Alfia does hold a special place in my heart for the fact that it introduced me to the dead. And as we kind of talked about is I actually, you know, both these riffs are kind of similar because they're both versatile in the sense that we talked about Metallica kind of like building up and adding pieces to the riff in the intro. And I mean, Althea is kind of the same way and, and I'm sure Justin can lay this out even, even further, but like there's a foundation there, but what's great about the dead and Jerry Garcia and John Mayer, they take the foundation and they, you know, they don't lose sight of it throughout the song, but they, do unique things with it and they solo on top of it while keeping the riff kind of intact throughout. And there's something to be said for just kind of like the musicality that surrounds all that. So this is a pretty tough matchup. It's a classic Blake v. Justin uh, situation here. Um, I felt like I was leaning Althea originally, but the clip for Enter Sandman just, it, it's it's so good. So I want to hear what Justin's thinking. Yeah, Enter Sandman is awesome, right? Like, like 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 you said, even though we've heard the clip twice today, you know when you roll the back again, though you still get pretty pumped up. It's you know it's a it's what we're all about here on the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. It's pretty textbook, right? Um, I mean, I'm gonna vote for Althea though, just because of what you've all said, Blake. Is it's just a great starting riff, and the way that it just sort of transforms throughout the song is just really incredible. Um, I. So I, I can't vote for Inner Sandman over Althea. I just can't. Yeah. I have too much pride. <laughs> I, I hear you. And 
it, it's one of those situations in which I'm I'm torn, but I I hear the passion, right? And um, I also, I mean, I think I laid it out. There's a lot to love about Althea, and I I appreciate it being on on the bracket because it is a bit unique, right? It's not Enter Sam is definitely more a more traditional riff, um, in, in that sense. But I do think that Althea's just got a lot to love about it and is uh, kind of a cornerstone uh, of the dead uh, to this day. The dead never die, as they say. So I don't think the dead should die just yet on the bracket. Let's move it on through in 616. Wow. All right. Well, uh, Althea not getting its due on TGP, (laughs) but plenty of due here in the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. (laughs) Of course, that's why we made the pod. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. This is all been a, a back alley. Yeah, dead redemption to get dead uh, the the credit they deserve. Okay, that brings us to our last matchup of the night to get one more track in the six sixteen. Dave, tell us about it. Final matchup of the night. We'll start it off with "Dangerous" from Big Data. And trying to see if they can get their second entry in the 616, it's Tim Impala with Let It Happen. As it happens, these were the two songs that uh, went to the moderator. Uh, wow. And so I'm, I'm in charge of both of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are. So we'll see if I uh, play a role yet again. Uh, Justin, we're starting with you this time. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to have to go with Dangerous, and here's why. Because for me personally, the having the riff be the centerpiece of the song is important me and dangerous is a phenomenal example of that where you know it is just awesome right at the beginning and you know it's it goes all the way through the chorus it's just it's always great it's very powerful force throughout the song let it happen you know you gotta wait six minutes to get to the sweet guitar riff and you know there's no denying it's awesome it's really good in fact but it's you know it's pretty short and it's takes a while to get there Whereas dangerous is just in your the base roof's just in your room, so it's gonna get my vote. Wow. I, I definitely I know, I know. I wasn't expecting the I, dangerous I'm, love. I'm there. sorry, Kevin Parker. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, man. Kevin Parker. You've only been featured three times so far on the pod and we're halfway through. Um man, I well look, this is more Blake on Blake crime, but also right, a right, product well. of, of Luke, as we've been saying. Luke sent both of these through, so obviously we were you know, those initial matchups were tough to get these songs into the second round. Um, I, I totally hear you, Justin, about kind of what a riff does as the foundation to the track. At the same time, I don't think we can discount a riff popping into a song at a certain point, whether it's, you know, six minutes in or, or two minutes in, like Rough Landing Holly and the Yellow Card Cut. If If the song is progressing in a certain way and then you toss in an amazing, sick riff, it can turn the tide, right? It can make a song like Let It Happen, which, you know, without that riff is a strong opening track. And 
explains a lot about what Tame Impala is doing on a new album and everything. But you drop the riff in at the end, and it becomes one of their best ever songs, and um, a, an extremely unique and I think a, a huge accomplishment for him to kind of blend these multiple styles together. So I, I think there is merit to both of kind of what we've laid out in the second episode here, where riff is a foundation and also riff as a, as a moment that like kicks a song into another gear. So I'm, I'm pretty evenly split because I do love dangerous. And I, I'm, I was happy to throw that into the pod because it, you know, it comes from a world like, you know, alternative radio. We were talking about it. Like, I don't think a lot of songs from alternative radio would make it into the sick revolving. You know what I mean? Like, that's not really what yeah, yeah. modern alternative music is after, but they were able to on this song carve out such a unique lane with that baseline because it's so distinctive and because, like we said before, they just they let that baseline drive the whole thing. Um, they don't. I, I I put in my notes. There's a version, hypothetical version of the song where it's like the same melody and everything, but it's like this you know overproduced, weird synthy bass and. It's nowhere near a, as good and, and unique as when they just lay down that that bass track on its own. So, I don't know. I love Dangerous, but I think Let It Happen is for me where I'm leaning at the moment because it. I, I think my personal preference when we talk about the riffs is when something like really, um, you know, bumps a song up into into another level, and Let It Happens maybe maybe one of the best examples of that. Well, you actually made a very good point, Blake. It's a it's a transformative part of the song, right? Where it gets kicked into a new gear um, when that guitar little guitar riff kicks in. Mm. So once you said that, I started thinking about it while you were talking, and it, you raise a very good point. Um, it is a sick riff because it just completely transforms the song. So I'm starting. I could be a little more susceptible to voting. Let it happen. Mm. Yeah, I I'm glad to to you know swayed you a little bit here. Um, you know, don't want to drag this out too much longer, but I I feel pretty pretty good about let it happen. I do think you know moving this through, it would really uh, it, it could it could go some places in this podcast um, because yeah. of plus then we'd have two uh, Tame and Paul songs in the six sixteen, which is always awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I've already I've already reached out to him on Instagram and let him know, you know, oh, yeah. what's going for him. So <laughs> I'm sure he cares deeply. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna take himself away from recording 12 tracks on his own. Yeah, so he can uh, bask in the glow a little yeah, bit. Maybe you know? maybe yeah. not as big a feat as is beating uh, the Beatles and Helter Skelter, but right now I, I'm leaning. Right. Let it happen. I think would not. Um, again, this being a Blake on Blake submit, I'm I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring for. Two songs that I love, but uh, let it happen, and that and the way that guitar just transforms the song. It's it's hard for me to say no, and I think it it deserves a spot in the six sixteen. There you go. It sounds like it's decided. We you got with me, Justin? Tame and Paula. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. All right. Let's do it. The last of the six sixteen for this week. Tame and Paula, uh, reigning supreme. What did you think about that that matchup? Luke? Two halves of the bracket go. Uh, I, I can see it going both ways. Um, I might've gone big data just Mm. to keep things spread out a little bit, you know, let an underdog, uh, make it in. Um, Tame Impala has a chance to 
you know, match up against itself in, in the final four or something here, which would get a little, little funny, but Hey, it already happened in, in the first round. So I guess we'll see uh, if that happens down the road, but Hey, this is a, this is a crazy list in terms of, uh, in terms of range, in terms of sound, in terms of time frame. Uh, yeah. Excited to see where we, uh, where we go next. Love it. All right. So a little break here while we get ready for episode three, but in the meantime, right, we've got the website, we've got the week two playlist all set up. We've got the show notes showing the, uh, the week two results, which you can see in their actual bracket form. Podcast producer Blake, what else am I missing? You want to let's just hit the the winners from this week, the six sixteen entrance from from all this craziness. Yeah, we've got uh, one little victory by Rush coming to the uh, the top bracket there, defeating Heartbeat by Childish Gambino and the Star Spangled Banner by J- Jimmy or sorry, uh, and Jailbreak by ACDC. Uh, we've got Good Times by Chic, one of the all time mm. hip hop beats. Uh, beating out Radiohead and then beating out Yellow Card. Quite the range of uh, foes they went up against. Althea making its way uh, through through the uh, the madness here, beating out Daft Punk and then beating out Metallica. Again, <laughs> quite the ride these uh, these bands get to go on. And then finally, Tame Impala uh, beating out itself, himself uh, at the start and then beating out Big Data. So that's your, uh, the, your four picks from the 616 for this week. The week two winners. Awesome. Thanks for laying it out. I want to kick it to Dave real quick before we wrap up. Dave, any of these sick riffs going to get you in the camp of music this week? I mean, definitely some uh, classics in there. Obviously, (laughs) everybody's familiar with the the good times beat. And uh, as people said, you know, really fun to see a, a drum riff get in there from Rush. Love it. Well, Dave, we appreciate you not only, you know, uh, keeping us keeping us on track here, announcing the matchups, organizing the bracket, making sure we're not stepping on each other's toes on the back end, but also sending in your own sick riff. Um, appreciate all the help uh, from your end this week and in the weeks to come. Shout out to Hot Pockets. Shout out. Any <laughs> and shout out Rome is burning. Uh, Justin, mm-hmm. we're about to wrap it up here. Let me get your quick take on week two, and then we'll call it a night. A lot of strong entries across the board. Yeah, um, that is a strong week. Like, it, it was a really strong week. I think a large majority of those songs, you know, they deserve a spot far in our little bracket here. But so it's pretty hard to narrow it down. But we actually did a pretty good job of uh, coming to terms with each other and sort of compromising on most of these songs. I think we only had to go for the tiebreaker what once or twice, right? Yeah, you, twice, you right? Those last two matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah so pretty impressive right there um pretty stoked about the tame impala representation <laughs> huge fanboy obviously um but yeah no super fun time love hanging out with y'all on the pod here so good stuff well yeah i totally agree justin i felt like in terms of the, the true you know the sheer matchups this week maybe edged out week one in terms of uh tricky tricky choices and also just amazing amazing submits so thanks to you for lobbing in some tracks i also agreed the discussion the debate was fun felt like we were able to you know keep it open-ended and convince each other in, in one particular way which is what this is all about um you know having some fun talking about some of our favorite bits of music so 
that's about it from us. I'll give one last thanks to to Luke, our moderator. Big time shout out for helping us kind of navigate the discussion in each song and also making some critical decisions. Um, Luke, you feeling good about our, our results from this week? I think we've uh, we've learned one thing, and that's because every single song you own is a banger. Yeah, so <laughs> we've uh, we've got that going down. Thanks, excited about thanks it. Adam Scott for the drop there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> shut up and Wyatt. Good stuff. Well, once again, Luke, really appreciate appreciate you popping in this week and helping us manage this whole thing. As he said a bit earlier, we've got a website, thegildedplaylist.com. You can go there and find a few things. The first is our bracket, so you can follow along with our week-to-week decisions um, and also find out uh, which tracks we submitted. There's a Spotify link and then also a voting option. So for our many, many dedicated listeners out there, if you you know spent the time and you know marinated in the sick riffs from one particular week or another and want to share your thoughts, There's a a voting form up on the website, so please feel free to write in and send your thoughts on the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. Otherwise, that's all we've got for you this week. We'll be back at it with 17 more tracks to discuss next week for week three, and that will do it for the Sick Riff Hall of Fame. Thanks, everyone. Good times. Good times, indeed. Shout out, Shane. And clear. That was for you, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Dude, Pink Floyd's so good. <laughs>